Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Good morning. Say good morning to your neighbor. Good morning. Amen. Everything is good about the morning. Amen. This morning, I want to bring us a word entitled, A God for Difficult Times. A God for Difficult Times. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, what a faithful father you are. What a beautiful, gracious, kind father you are to us. Thank you. Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for saving us. We look forward to a beautiful time. I mean, we've already started having a beautiful time in your presence, and we know you'll see us through, not just this service, but throughout the week. We thank you. We thank you for the privilege to call you Father. May you speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in a way we will remember that you are a God also in the difficult times. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, in, in Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist finds himself in trouble, big trouble. John the Baptist, who had been prophesied about, whose mother had conceived him after an angelic visitation, who had spent all his life fulfilling one mission, to be the one who prepares the way for the Messiah, finds himself in the dungeons of Machairus because he had called out Herod Antipas for stealing his brother's wife. He told him it is adultery. It actually reminds me of the words of Jesus we studied last, last week Sunday from Matthew chapter 19, where he also says, if you leave your spouse because you're attracted to somebody else, divorce them officially, go and legally, properly marry the other person, perform all the marriage rituals, you are still guilty of adultery because it was a sin in your heart. Even though you've done everything legally right, you're still guilty of adultery. It's something similar Herod Antipas had done. He went to visit his brother Philip, fell in love with Philip's wife, came and dismissed his wife, and married Herodias. And it looked as if, you know, divorce is legal, so he did nothing wrong. At least he did nothing illegal. He married Herodias. Marriage is legal. So he was legally right, but morally wrong by the standards of God. And John the Baptist calls him out, so he gets thrown into prison. And this story is from when John was in prison. Whilst he was in prison, Jesus was busy performing miracles and going about his life as though he didn't know his distant cousin, whose only purpose for being on earth was for Jesus 
was in prison. The Bible begins by saying, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. He could travel through towns and through regions. He couldn't go to Machaerus to visit his cousin. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Verse 4, Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, This is very important. Tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Other versions will say, blessed are those who do not take offense in me. Why would Jesus tell John's disciples to go tell John, blessed are those who don't take offense in me. Because in the spirit of the question John's disciples came to ask him, he could sense that John the Baptist was offended. Spent your whole life serving God. And in your difficult moment, he appears missing. At some point you think, did I do something wrong? Did I disappoint God? Did I fail him in my mission? And what is interesting, that just when the disciples turned around to go tell John what Jesus had told them and what they had seen, Jesus made sure that whilst they were still within earshot, he spoke how God feels about John the Baptist. Amen. So he continues in verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he's more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look! I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. Wow. So John's situation, his predicament had nothing to do with how God feels about him. (laughs) God still held John in great esteem. Jesus had great respect and great love for John the Baptist. And yet John was wallowing in prison alone. Is it possible to be in God's perfect will? To find yourself in a place where God is happy with you. In fact, he, 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 he brags about you. And yet, life is difficult for you. Is it possible? Because that's what we are seeing here. And you look at this story and you realize that maybe all we are 
in spite of our big egos, I have a big ego. Short men are here, I have big egos. In spite of our big egos, is it possible that actually we are just little pieces of a massive, gigantic puzzle? And because God sits up there and he sees this massive puzzle, sometimes we feel lost not realizing that the affairs of our lives, both the good times and the bad times, work out for his glory. Amen. John was in a difficult place and he felt God had abandoned him. Normally in church, we love the testimonies where Brother John will come back from prison and say, Herodias wanted me dead. Herod wanted me dead. Her daughter wanted me dead. But God delivered me. And the church will shout hallelujah. Amen. And we'll sing about the deliverance of God. We'll sing about how he delivered him from the lion and the bear. And how he'll slay Goliath before him. We love testimonies of his deliverance. Ooh, I love testimonies of his deliverance. And yet... The story had no such ending. John was beheaded in prison. Jesus was so sad when he heard John had been beheaded that he took time away from his disciples just to go and mourn for John. Just time by himself. And the people wouldn't allow him, but he wanted me time. Can a Christian lose their life under unfortunate circumstances even though God is happy with them? It is not what we wish for. But the Bible tells us it can happen. And when difficult times meet us, we have to remember Jesus says, blessed are those who are not offended in me. Amen. Just because he didn't answer the prayer the way you wanted him to answer it. Just because he didn't come through when you wanted him to come through doesn't mean he's abandoned you. Amen. In fact, the Apostle Paul, a man who was very, very familiar with suffering for Christ, was very vocal on this matter. So in his letter to the church in Rome, the church in Rome was predominantly made of Jews. Jews who had migrated to Rome, some as part of the great persecution, which was started by the same man, Paul. He started it on a much smaller scale. By the time he became born again, you know, it was a raging fire. And the Christians were being persecuted left, right, center, and they were scattered everywhere. So even though he writes this letter to the church in Rome, quite a number of them are actually Jews. Amen. And he writes to them because even how they got to Rome was because many of them were fleeing from persecution. Times were difficult. The church has gone through many, 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 many difficult times in church history. Many, many, many difficult times. And I believe 
that a lot of the people in the church in Rome had cause to feel offended. We've left everything to follow Jesus. Where are we now? So in chapter 8 in his letter, from verse 31, before he gets to verse 35 where he actually says what he wants to say, he reminds the church in Rome of God's love. How overwhelming, how all-encompassing the extent and reach of our Father's love. He says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Amen. Amen. There's a story of a father who caught his son and lashed him because somebody had said the son had done something. And after lashing him heavily, the boy crying, the father later discovers the story wasn't true. And he looked at his crying son and said, don't worry. We'll carry this punishment forward for the next offense you commit. You may not be guilty of this one, but I know, I know. <laughs> there's, a, there's going to be an offense in your future for which I would have to lash you. So we do it carry forward. We'll balance the books. I'm indebted to you, but I'm sure by tomorrow <laughs> the book would balance. You know, and why did I tell this joke? Sometimes when we suffer, and this is where Paul begins his argument. Sometimes when we suffer, Sometimes it's because we brought it on ourselves. Sometimes it is the devil. In fact, many times it is just life happening. You know, like living in a country where somebody else is fighting in Ukraine and somebody else is doing something and then it's, it hasn't rained in four years in East Africa. And, and so there is famine. And then there is covid and there's monkeypox, and there's Marburg, you know, like, what has that got to do with me? What did I do? I wake up, go to work, do everything I can, and these are circumstances beyond my control. So you suffer. But Paul argues by saying that Jesus suffered not because of anything he has done, but for you. Amen. John suffered, but at least he wasn't crucified. He was beheaded. There's a huge difference. Crucifixion is a slow, torturous, and painful death. Extremely painful. It was reserved for the worst of criminals. If they put your head on, I mean, for, forgive the gruesome pictures, but if they put your head on their guillotine, it's 
Two seconds, one second, shoop, you're dead. And that's why the Apostle Paul writes and says, remember that Christ sacrificed for us. God has already shown that he loves us. Amen. God has given us more than enough evidence that his intentions for our lives are great. Don't let the circumstances in your life deceive you. You can trust God. Amen. You can trust God with your circumstances. You can trust him with your feelings. Don't be offended because times are difficult. So in verse 35, he argues and says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Can anything separate us from Christ's love? See how much Christ loves us. Will we allow anything to separate us from his love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? Oh, Christians can have trouble. Okay. Or calamity. Or are persecuted. Or hungry. Or destitute. Or in danger. Or threatened with death. Now what is interesting is that every single thing he lists here were actually things that were happening. There was famine in Jerusalem. To the extent where Paul decided to take contributions from the churches and send to Jerusalem. There was famine. So he wasn't just listing words. Every word here was the situation the church was dealing with. Amen. So trouble, calamity, persecution, hunger, destitution, danger, threats of death. Verse 30 says, as the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day and we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, amen, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us, amen. Overwhelming victory is ours in spite of our suffering, amen. It helps to prepare our minds for the possibility of difficult times. Amen. The, I mean, the church recently has been very big on breakthroughs and abundance. And you shall never lack. I mean, today we're singing, I shall be the head and not the tail above and not beneath. Listen, it's beautiful. The scriptures say that. But Paul also writes to Timothy and says, remember my son Timothy, in the last days, difficult times shall come. In fact, the times may be so difficult that the love many have for God will get cold. You know, it will get so difficult, they'll be like, ah, there can't be God. There can't be God. If there truly is God, people shouldn't suffer the way they are suffering. That's what the apostle Paul wrote to his son Timothy. My son, remember this. In the last days, perilous times shall come. Difficult times shall come. And because of the suffering, the love of many will wax cold. Because they focus on their suffering, not on Christ. Amen. There's a little Sunday school song that says, I'm satisfied with Jesus. He's all in all to me. But I wonder, as I ask him, is he satisfied with me? And the answer is yes, he's satisfied with you. K 
Keep looking to him. Amen. He will come through. But even if he doesn't, the way you expect him to, he will still come through. Amen. Abraham pays tithe and God says, oh, I see Levi. Four generations away. But as seeds you will sow, like trees. Some seeds are trees. They won't fruit in your generation. But in God's faithfulness, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will reap from it. And say, God, I'm suffering now. I'm thinking my grandchildren. Now, I need a solution now. What do we do when we need a miracle now? We need a breakthrough now. Paul says, we must look to the love of Christ. Amen. He says, if God did not withhold his son from you, remember, he can give you anything. You know, because, I mean, think about it. Just the thought of me sacrificing my son, I, I can't even make that example. You get it? But imagine I did that. And you need school fees. And you think I won't give you school fees. It doesn't make sense. Do you get it? Like, it doesn't make sense. The, the sacrifice of a life that is precious to you. I mean, I can't think of the idea of sacrificing any of my children. But if I were to do that for you, why would you think I won't give you a car or a house or a husband or a wife? You know, like in comparison, everything else you need is nothing. You know, so when in difficult times we are not getting the results we need, can we still trust God? Can we say, God, I know you enough? And I trust you enough to come through. Interestingly, if you look at John, you realize that he, he knew Jesus. You know, he had prophetically prophesied about Jesus, but he never really walked with Jesus. Amen. There is no evidence in Scripture of John the Baptist ever walking with Jesus. And there's something about doubt. Our doubt is always inversely proportional to our intimacy with God. Amen. The more intimate you are with God, the more you know him, the more time you spend in his word, the more time you spend in prayer, the more time you get to know him, the less you doubt him. No matter the circumstances. But the less time you spend with him, you know, you're busy, you're busy saving everything else, doing every, meeting every deadline, hardly have time for prayer. A time comes when you become very philosophical. And when you speak, there is no sign of faith in him. The quality of our intimacy will always be inversely proportional to our level of doubt. Always remember that. If you find yourself doubting God, it's not because of the circumstances. It's because the intimacy can be better. When you trust somebody, like when you know somebody and trust them and trust them, and you really know them, when they tell you they are broke, you don't doubt it. When they tell you, wait a while, you don't doubt it. But if you just met the person, you know, 
says, I love you. Like, ah, that's what Kujo said. And then when I said, okay, and then he disappeared. <laughs> oh, that's what John also said. <laughs> that's what these men, all men are, hashtag, all men are the same. You know, but all men are not the same. Some are taller than others. <laughs> Amen. May we draw closer to Jesus. Amen. May we know him, know him so well that we understand who we are in him. We understand how precious we are in him. So that the difficulties of the times do not dissuade us from our love for him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and goodness your kindness and your love. We thank you that you are the God for difficult times, the best God for difficult times. Help us know you better. Draw us deeper into yourself until we have no space or place for doubt. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.